edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. First of all, a quick apology for not putting an episode up last week. I had some personal stuff to sort out, um, but hopefully back to normal service now. So the case that we're going to be looking at today is BPE Solicitors and Hughes Holland in substitution for Gabriel. The citation for this case is 2017 UKSC 21. And with these cases where there are a lot of people involved, things can get quite confusing. So it's often useful to introduce the different parties. On the one hand, we have Hughes Holland, who actually plays a very minor role in the facts, because he is simply the trustee in the bankruptcy of Mr. Gabriel. Gabriel got into financial trouble because of money that he had lent to his friend Mr. Little. On the other side we have Mr Spencer who was a solicitor at BPE Solicitors and was responsible for drawing up important documents as part of the transaction between Gabriel and Little. So those are the players but what actually happened in the case? Well it's all centred around the development of a disused heating tower in Gloucestershire. Little allowed Gabriel to believe that he owned the tower and had planning permission for its development. This would cost around £200,000 in total, and so when Little asked Gabriel to lend him £200,000, Gabriel assumed that this was how the money would be spent. The truth of the matter was that the tower belonged to a company called High Tech, but was subject to a bank charge of around £150,000. Little intended to use the £200,000 to transfer the property to a type of subsidiary company called a special purpose vehicle. High tech would then pay off the bank charge. Needless to say, Gabriel was completely unaware of this plan and would not have signed off the loan if he knew what would happen to the money. It is at this point that Spencer of BPE Solicitors comes into play. On the one hand, he was instructed by Gabriel to draw up the relevant documents, but in actual fact Little stepped in and told Spencer his actual plan involving the special purpose vehicle but lied and said Gabriel had agreed to this. Of course, Spencer should have confirmed the instruction with Gabriel, but not only did he fail to do this, he actually drafted the documentation on old templates that only served to confirm Gabriel's incorrect understanding. Needless to say, the whole thing failed miserably and poor Mr Gabriel lost all of his money. His rather understandable response was to sue not only Mr Little, but also High Tech, the special purpose vehicle, and also BPE solicitors. The only case that stuck was the one for negligence against the solicitors. The judge held that not only was Spencer negligent in terms of the misleading documentation that was drawn up, but furthermore the solicitor should have properly explained to Mr Gabriel what would happen to his money. In terms of the quantification, the judge went on to say that because of the reliance that Gabriel placed on his solicitor, alongside the fact that he would not have entered into the transaction if he had known the truth, the solicitors were liable for the entire £200,000. This is in direct contrast to what the Court of Appeal found when the case came before them on appeal. They thought that Mr Gabriel was completely responsible for his own misfortune, and so the amount of damages went down to zero. It was with these two starkly opposite judgments at either end of the scale that the Supreme Court had to make a decision. It is perhaps not too surprising to hear, given that this case is tort-related, that the justices began by thinking about the but-for test, which for those of you who don't know, 
asks the question, but for the actions of the defendant, would the injury to the claimant still have occurred? However, they went on to point out that in cases like this where the defendant is advising the claimant as part of an overall decision they are making, it has to be shown that protecting the claimant from loss was actually within the scope of the duties the defendant owed the claimant. This principle comes from the famous 1997 case of South Australia Asset Management Corporation and York Montague Limited, that is more popularly known as the Samco case. In fact, if you have already seen my YouTube video on remoteness, then you may already be familiar with Samco. This case is also important because it introduces us to the idea of something known as the Samco cap, which basically limits the amount of damages to what the claimant would have lost even if the defendant had done their job properly. In other words, the actual loss that is attributed to the defendant cannot exceed that which is within the defendant's duty. All of this makes sense, but the Supreme Court pointed out that people do tend to misunderstand Samco for a number of reasons. The most important of these for the purposes of our present case is where the defendant has only supplied part of the information that formed the basis for the final decision taken by the claimant. In these circumstances, the defendant bears no responsibility for this decision, and this is often forgotten or misapplied. Part of the reason for this is that in the case of Bristol and West Building Society and Steggles Palmer, 1997, there was held to be an exception to this rule where the defendant had failed to provide information showing the transaction to be fraudulent, not viable, or, importantly here, fundamental to the final decision. Taking all of this into account, including the but-for test, SAMCO, and the precise way that those rules operate, the Supreme Court concluded that the solicitors were not responsible for the decision that Gabriel took. In fact, the only legal responsibility that they had during the entire debacle was in confirming assumptions that Gabriel had already made about the loan. Therefore, with that assumption in place, Gabriel would have still lost the money, and so BPE cannot be held liable for any of the losses. Now, you don't need me to step in at this point and note that something does not feel quite right about this case. It is certainly true that Gabriel does not exactly sound like the wisest businessman you will ever come across, and his lack of care and diligence does mean he is at least partially responsible for his own downfall. But that does not tell the whole story. In fact, all of the parties involved did not exactly show themselves in their greatest light, including Spencer and BPE solicitors. So the question has to be asked, how did they get off without paying a single penny? When I first tried to answer this question, I assumed that the Supreme Court must have misinterpreted Samco in some way. But every time I tried to explore this avenue, I nearly ended up falling down the same misunderstandings that the justices warned about in their judgment. Ultimately, Samco is a case where the question is, what is exactly within the control of the defendant? Moving beyond this then, the logical next step is to ask whether the decision to overrule the Steggles-Palmer exception was the right one. On the one hand, it does seem to tidy up the law in this area, and all of the articles I read about this case were supportive of the move. However, it does seem very relevant to point out that all of these articles were published by law firms who will, unsurprisingly, be more than delighted to reduce the extent of their liability for future situations like the one in this very case.
The reality is that withdrawing the exception entirely is exactly the reason why we end up leaving this case with a sense of injustice. These solicitors were clearly negligent and if they had done their job properly and given Gabriel the full information, then he would not now be bankrupt. It is not a reach to say that the exception in Stegel's Palmer was specifically designed to prevent injustice in cases like this. Now, in a bid to tidy up the law and protect the legal profession, the Supreme Court have not only removed the exception, but have also allowed a solicitor's firm to get off scot-free when they have clearly failed in their duty to their client. Well, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the UK Law Weekly podcast. Thanks as ever to bensound.com as well, who provide the theme music. If you did enjoy the episode, um, please remember to subscribe on iTunes. Also, if you could leave a review on there, if you do get a chance, that is always very much appreciated and helps other people to discover the podcast too. I look forward to speaking to you again next week, but until then, bye!